Chapter 1. Be mindful while cultivating your interests that you don't find yourself in a cult. The only way out is in. Focusing on externals, however noble the intention, is just an intended distraction. Yours truly. As a former educator and devoted psychonaut exploring the fringes of consciousness for many years now, part of me resists putting this out there at the get-go, since I know many will resist the very notion, but here goes anyway in the interest of full disclosure. Far from being a universally positive characteristic, curiosity doesn't always lead to healthy outcomes. Some context. To contextualize my seemingly antithetical proposition, even though I've always had a fairly sensitive BS detector, I've nevertheless followed my own curious nose down several paths of knowledge, a problematic term at best, as I'll explain, only to realize, inevitably too late, that I'd been lured into the vestibule of a massive cult edifice. My teenage stint as a Southern Baptist, not because I loved Jesus but because the youth group and choir happened to be a blast, and my leftist indoctrination via prestigious liberal arts universities are two examples with which many probably can identify. There were literal impressive vestibules that ushered one into those beguiling environments. I don't know about you, but I have a weakness, one I strongly suspect now to be a form of cult indoctrination, for large-scale architecture that obviously costs a lot of money to construct and maintain. The only difference between a cult and a religion, said a very wise gentleman named Frank Zappa, is the amount of real estate they own. As my eponymous narrator phrases it in my forthcoming novel on the primacy of consciousness in an observer-generated construct such as ours, Beginner's Luke, Adventure of an Imaginary Lifetime. Fuck banks and churches united in the displays of power through ostentatiously redundant space. In this scene Luke, who has become a slacker in the early 90s, is beginning to recognize, as many of us, reality researchers, are likewise doing nowadays, the bedrock of society for what it is, a colossal cult. My own biographical details aren't important, but the underlying lesson I eventually harvested from my time spent willingly participating in the giant louche farm of the earth is potentially of tremendous value to any who would truly break free of the control matrix that, like the air we breathe, or don't, if you ask Morpheus, is all around us. In this thoroughly mind-manipulated world, in this realm literally produced by thought installations that create reality tunnels, a sad but true term, your own interests can and will be used against you. Is education a solution or a problem? If the foregoing sounds like a warning not to over-educate yourself on any particular topic, perhaps it is, somewhat. Again, perish the thought. Yet here we are, thinking it, and for darn good reason. Over and above the myopia and navel-gazing induced by today's compartmentalization in education, followed by soul-suckingly unidimensional career, paths, too much focus on a topic or area of expertise, can lead you, whistling all the while, straight down the garden path, into a cult. I wish to emphasize that cults don't have to identify themselves as such. In fact, based on outward appearances, most cults don't act the part at all. The worst cults are the chameleons in society, the seemingly natural groupings of people for seemingly normal purposes that no one in their right mind should ever question. And these, I'm sorry to say, as it turns out, are the most diabolically underhanded of all. At the level of the inhuman and inhumane intelligence, the wrong mind, most people have downloaded, as I'll explain a bit later, scripting so-called collective reality, the disguise is absolutely intentional. It's part of the honey trap. And you're the target. You start, for example, with curiosity, a simple, childlike wish to know more about something, anything. Curiosity seems natural, and I suppose it is, or ought to be, and yet how easily we forget it was what killed the cat. 
Following your nose, you go deeper and deeper, and meet others with similar mindsets. And before you know it you are identifying as part of a privileged group and engaging in what should properly be called groupthink. According to Wikipedia, which I'll be using throughout this ebook for expediency and accessibility only, not because I trust it, groupthink is sometimes stated to occur within natural groups within the community, for example to explain the lifelong different mindsets of those with differing political views, such as conservatism and liberals in the US political context or the purported benefits of teamwork versus work conducted in solitude. However, this conformity of viewpoints within a group does not mainly involve deliberate group decision-making, and might be better explained by the collective confirmation bias of the individual members of the group. This collective confirmation bias is the dead weight at the would-be heart and soul of cults large and small. I write, would be, because deeply indoctrinated cult members have had much of their individuality and sovereignty of thought, word and deed, their heart and soul, replaced by, you guessed it, groupthink. This can happen in families as easily as in fan bases, in churches as effortlessly as in corporations. Leaders and followers. There may or may not be an identifiable leader in such scenarios. A powerful enough idea, by itself, can serve as the leader. And it often does. The mere idea of vaccination, for example, has created not just one but numerous, often competing, cults. Those for it, vaxxers, those against it, anti-vaxxers those proving its effectiveness, those debunking it, those claiming it's genocidal, those insisting it's part of a transhumanist agenda, etc. I don't mean to suggest I'm against bodily autonomy or that I myself, having been severely, and I mean severely, vaccine injured in my 20s, would ever willingly opt for another jab. But I do insist that any emotionally charged position adopted by a group of people on this, or any other hot-button topic, such as the virus question, automatically creates a de facto cult. Government is an interesting word to consider in this context. Etymologically, this term can literally be taken to mean mind control. Look it up if you don't believe me. Cults are all forms of government for controlling what is acceptable to think, and, by extension, say and do. If you're emotively connected to any kind of leader, belonging to official government or just the sly cult kind, you're, by definition, a follower. And this is where things get really tricky. I never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me as a member, is a sentiment attributed to both Sigmund Freud and Groucho Marx, which is an interesting pairing given what a clown posing as an intellectual Freud was. I'm criticizing Freud because, in light of his student Carl Jung's later perspectives on the meaning of dreams, to say nothing of that of countless metaphysical and shamanic schools of thought, the insistence that, for instance, a dream cigar typically symbolizes a phallus is ludicrously simplistic. Sometimes, as Freud himself admitted, a cigar is just for smoking. Yet as these things tend to happen in Cultalandia, Freud's overall restrictive interpretation of dreams won out, much like Darwin's laughable notion of natural selection and dominated discourse, governed thinking, for many decades, spawning as ridiculous a form of psychotherapy as the modern biological science Darwin's work launched. More to the point, the well-known quip about not wishing to belong to a club that would have one as a member would serve perfectly as a universal mantra for all genuine freethinkers and freedom seekers. Sadly, emotionally charged membership in any type of club, a team fan base, a political party, a gender affiliation, a gun, for or against, group, etc., is tantamount to cult membership. Critically, it's the emotional charge that's at issue here, not the membership itself. You can get away with looking into anything, until you can't, and therein lies the rub. 
the charge means you're plugging into the power of the cult. In essence, by tacit agreement, you're connecting with a larger, collective entity. And if you think you're drawing power from it, instead of the other way around, you're tragically mistaken. Why do you think cults exist in the first place? Exactly. They're there to harvest your louche, or personal power, for purposes that do anything but serve your own or humanity's interests. Anyone denying the existence of louche is probably, it almost goes without saying, a card-carrying, Kool-Aid-sipping cult member, such as those on both sides of the debate over the dash, or lack thereof, in Kool-Aid, that continues to rage between the Mandela-affected and unaffected. Unfortunately, some of the biggest cults today are no longer even part of the mainstream, which gives them a certain amount of camouflage that makes it difficult for those wising up to the reality game to identify them. These are the petty cults of the alternative media, specifically those of the truther community. In the final analysis, it doesn't even matter if today's trending little self-important cults make good points about the alleged nature of things, that most of history appears to be falsified, for example, or that modern science is just scientism, or that the earth may not be the shape we're told it is, or that germs may not cause illness, or that cycles seem to repeat ad nauseum in what could only be a simulacrum. These observations may, or may not, be true. That's not what concerns us at the moment. But what does, or ought to, concern us is this. If you find yourself no longer a relatively objective researcher but suddenly part of a group of emotionally charged people defending a certain worldview while denouncing anyone who disagrees, you, my friend, have landed in a cult. Run for the hills. Run for your life. Experience the full ebook and audiobook only at soulluckman.substack.com